Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and the renewal of our world. We're so glad that you're listening. As I look out at all of you, good morning. By the way, my name is Alton. Uh, I'm not a speaker. I'm a talker. Uh, we could sit and talk all day, um, and I, I would just ramble on and on. But you put a microphone in my hand or a camera in my face, and personalities kind of drains out of me. I rust up like a tin man. And, uh, but I'm just going to keep looking out at you in hopes that uh, you can keep me up today and uh, not let me lose my personality. There you are. I see you. Because <laughs> I really want to share something really important with you today. And it's uh, really important to me, and it's really important to God. And uh, I just don't want to rust up like a tin man. And um, I don't want to take up a lot of time. So I'm going to count on you if that's all right. So this talk is a um, review, and uh, then I'll touch on some stuff, uh, how we know that we're hearing from God. And um, then I want to talk about an important outreach that God has led me to, and uh, other servant opportunities that he may have uh, for you. But I won't take up a lot of time, so I want to pray right now. And I'm going to be looking at notes today because what we're talking about today, I could talk about for hours, and none of us want to be here until midnight. So uh, <clears throat> let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come before you today. I, I just, I don't know what just happened over there in that corner, why you made me so emotional when I looked out at this, at this group of people, Lord, but they have definitely blessed my life, and I thank you for bringing me here, Lord, and I just... Pray that I bless these people today with your word. Uh, move me out of your way. Speak through me. And uh, open hearts, open ears, open minds. Uh, we give this day to you. We give this message to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So before I start talking to you, I should introduce myself to people who don't know me. My name is Alton Bryant, like uh, Andrew said. All right, that's enough of that. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, Brad tells me I have a tendency to drop great big megaton bombs into a conversation and move on like I didn't say anything. And uh, so today I'm really going to try to slow myself down and get this information to you. Uh, again, my name is Alton. I'm one of the directional leaders here uh, at Dulles Church. More traditional churches would probably call me an elder. And um, I've been a directional leader here for about 10 years, uh, and it's been an honor and a privilege to serve this church. It really has been. I never imagined myself as being an elder of a church, or I never aspired to be anything like that, but God called me. He told me to step, and I did. And something else he called me to in recent years is to go back to school for a second career in mental health care. Uh, I, for those who don't know, I am a retired air traffic controller, and the two careers don't really match up very well unless you know what kind of person it takes to be an air traffic controller. Then it would make total sense. <laughs> but God called me to step into helping the hurting, and so I took a couple online classes thinking that would be cool, so I became a certified mental health coach, and I became a certified trauma and crisis response specialist. And I did some work in that, and I thought that would be enough. But as I was doing that work, I realized that isn't 
all that God wanted me to do. And I'm going to tell you, when he told me to go back to college, it did not sit well with me at all. But I trusted and I stepped. And on the screen, <laughs> you're going to see a picture of my family. This was us last year at my graduation from NOVA. Uh, I graduated with a degree in psychology, summa cum laude, no less. I, not something I didn't think was possible. <laughs> and now I'm a full-time student at George Mason at this age. And uh, I'm a senior now. My first three semester, somehow God made it possible for me to maintain a 4.0 grade average. And uh, next semester, I'll actually be teaching a class at GMU, which is really exciting. That's all God. <laughs> All right, that's enough about my least favorite subject, me. Uh, okay, so let's jump into the review real quick. For the past few weeks, we've been going through a series called Practice Makes Better. And it, uh, well, let me just hit on some of the highlights real quick. They won't be on the board, so listen up. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 tell us that we are designed to image God, to replicate his life, his love, and his creative beauty. Instead, we learned that humans chose to decreate. We wanted to rule for ourselves, and we wanted to wrestle for our own control. And Jesus came to be with us in person to become the template of what a human should be. He finally imaged God properly, and he gave us that template. Now, he told us that we're either creating one of two futures. We're either looking at the blueprint i.e. reading the Bible, but not doing what it says. Or we are looking at the blueprint and following God's plans for us. And then we put his words into action. Uh, every day, we are practicing something, whether we know it or not. And what we practice determines what we're building and who we're becoming. This broken world that we live in teaches us to practice things like anxiety, fear, control, greed, depression, and a whole host of other unhealthy things. But God calls us to become whole humans again. He wants to order our steps. And prayer is surrender to his will so that he can. Now I wanna move us forward a little bit in this series. Let's talk about another practice today learning to hear God. And why do so many of us think God isn't listening when we talk to him? Well, how do we know when we hear something that it is God? Let me start with myself. Most of my life, I believed in God as a child all the way to adulthood. I studied my Bible. I even prayed to God for answers, for grades, for money, for cars, for girls, you know, uh, stuff that man created, but not things that the creator cares about. So he seemed to never come down and answer my questions or solve my problems. To me, he seemed like a notion that old folks talked about, but he never was an experience for me in my younger years. I wasn't even sure he was real, to be honest with you. Uh, even when ministers in my family, and I have a lot, of ministers in my family. 
they would tell me about their experiences, and I would say, of course, you're a minister. You're supposed to have those experiences. But I also thought they may be just trying to get what's in my pocket into their pockets or their ministry. So I was a bit of a cynic back then, and uh, in some instances, I still kind of am when it comes to churches. But some of that could be because I was raised around a lot of swindling preachers, and I also saw a lot of that on television. And um, I could, I mean, I could tell you a whole day-long message about uh, my faith journey and my search for a church home, but I won't do that. I'll just say that something was very different when I walked into the doors of Dulles in a very, very good way. Soon after I came here, I was invited to a lab called Encountering God in Your Daily Life. It changed my life. It really did. Uh, we did a few weeks of lab learning, followed by a peaceful weekend retreat in the woods. And it was really nice. And you nature folks may call it something different, but somebody like me from a concrete jungle, the, uh, if you see a bunch of trees, it's always the woods. And so, in fact, if I go to some of your houses, your yards, I would probably call the woods. <laughs> but something really happened to me in those woods. For the very first time, I heard God's voice. And you may think it was rays of sunshine with the clouds parting and double rainbows and unicorns. It wasn't anything like that. It was terrifying. It scared the beep out of me that very first time I heard it. And I started looking around to see if, I, if there was somebody I didn't notice or if somebody was pranking me. And when I realized I, I was alone, you know how when we were kids and we played tag and there was always a place we called base where the pursuer couldn't get you? Well, if I'm being honest with you, I heard that and I kind of fast walked my little butt back to the uh, cabin like it was base because <laughs> I was scared. And I tried to do it kind of cool, you know, try to walk back, you know. That was, no, no, I was too scared. I've never seen a ghost, but if you've seen a ghost, that first time you see a ghost, that's probably what I felt like. <laughs> but now in my daily life, we talk back and forth all day. Uh, I, I just, love communicating with God all the time. And there's something about being still and asking for God's will instead of mine. One of the Bible verses that guides my life is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, in which Paul says to the people of Philippi, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. When we pray outward for others and for God's will, he will answer. But you better brace yourself and buckle up, because it might terrify you. And you may not even want to hear what God is telling you. But in that challenge, you'll know it's God. He doesn't only speak to us in oral messages either. Sometimes he speaks to us through trusted others, uh, through scripture, and all kinds of signs, and you'll know it. And you'll know it's God when it aligns with the teachings of Jesus. Remember in chapter one of John, 
we learn that Jesus is the word of God. All right, number two, it challenges us to be better than we are in some way. And number three, it may feel risky. And it, that's how you know it's God. If it feels risky and you didn't come up with it, you'll know it's God. So Jesus gives us an example of following God's prompting in a parable of the Good Samaritan. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Jesus is teaching, and he starts like this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's actually usually a tongue twister for me. Glad I got through that. Okay, what is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He asked. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now, earlier in the scriptures, another teacher of the law stood up and asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? In reply, Jesus spoke those same words that we just, were, just read in verse 27. Let's do it again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now let's move forward into chapter 28. Uh, but before we do, Loving your neighbor, though, is loving God. Those laws are interchangeable. One covers the other, and one causes the other. Okay, so let's move forward a little bit. You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the teacher who stood up, wanted to justify himself. And he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus gave this parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him for dead. A priest happened to be coming by the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side of the road. So to a Levite, when he came to the place where the man was, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one, the expert in the law stood up and said the one who had pity on him or had mercy on him. Are we moving on? Yes. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, why did Jesus use a Samaritan for this parable? The Samaritan could have understandably 
just walk by like the Jewish men of honor did. After all, Samaritans at the time were hated, oppressed, and considered inferior to the people in Jesus' audience at this time. It wasn't the priest or the Levite or anyone like the uh, person who asked this question, who actually imaged God that day. They decreated when they had the opportunity to show the heart of God. It was the outsider who imaged God in this opportunity. And he showed who the good neighbor is. When, now, as we look at this story, who are we in this story? Are we the priests? Are we the Levite? Someone too busy? Or someone too worried about risk to trust God? Or are we the Samaritan who takes that risk? Despite how we may see ourselves or how we think others see us, remember how God sees you. So step out on faith and say yes to the action and work that God puts on your heart. Now take note of how Jesus ended this scripture. Go and do likewise. That's what we've been talking about in this series, Practice Makes Better. Don't just hear and see. Go and do. Step into what God is calling you to. The Good Samaritan is a great lesson of imaging God the way that he created us to image him. Now, this leads to what I've been up to for over a decade, actually, but more so this summer during my internship with GMU. As some of you know, Dulles is partnered with Reset 180. Okay, now I'm going to share with you some information that may be hard to hear. It might even shock you. Thank you. I may. <laughs> so take a breath and prepare your heart for God to do some work today. When I first heard what I'm about to share with you, I was shocked and I was shaken, but I trusted and I stepped anyway. I could have easily walked by this example that I'm sharing with you like the priest or the Levite did. And if you decide to walk by it, that's okay. But what I'm sharing with you is important information for you to protect yourselves and those you care about. All right, here we go. Again, this may not be where God is leading you. I'm just letting you know. But you will have to step and follow God's prompting at some point in your journey. Uh, and he's got direction for your life, and it will change your life. All right. Reset 180 is a local Christian organization that fights human trafficking. Locally, we are partnered with the state of Virginia and the Virginia State Police and other police departments throughout the region. Other partnerships we have are worldwide and local as well. We have many. Our first pillar, as you can see on my shirt and on the screen, is prevention. We prevent trafficking by spreading awareness about what's happening right around us. If you're like I was, when I first heard, when I first thought about this before I got involved, this was a them problem and not an us problem. Like the Good Samaritan in the parable could have done, he could have easily done that. But we gotta think again, this is actually an us problem. Take a look at this map. 
This is the Polaris heat map from the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Look at all the activity, the red over Virginia and the whole DMV. Most of that Virginia activity is in Northern Virginia and right here in Loudoun County and surrounding counties. In fact, the United States is the most active country for human trafficking. When I told Brad that, as we were reviewing our message, he stopped me and said, wait, what? So he was shocked as well, which surprised me. But it is shocking, and I'm not just sharing this information to shock you. I want you to understand how to protect yourselves and your family. Okay. Through police, partnerships, and our justice system, and our own involvement at Reset 180, we know of a whole lot of local cases and places that happen in places where we do business and where we shop. Deep breath, sadly, is happening in our own schools a lot. Okay, if you heard, if you're like me when I was for the first time, when I heard this, it took me back a bit. It was hard to believe. And if you want to talk more about it, I'm here for that. That's what I, that's what I want to offer today. Uh, I can give you a whole lot more information and context. But for now, I'm going to move on if that's all right. Okay, good. God called all of us at Reset 180 to take a risk and step out in faith to try and do our part to end this terrible crisis of humanity. It remains heavy on my heart because I learn about, I learn so much more about it every day and what's happening. And it still dumbfounds me every day to learn what one human or what some humans will do to other humans just for their own selfish greed for money. It blows my mind. All right, our second pillar is disruption. We disrupt trafficking by different outreaches that we do. Uh, in fact, that's all I'm going to say for right now because this isn't the time to get into that, but I could talk a whole lot more about that in a better setting. Third pillar, though, I can talk about, which is restoration. We restore the survivors of human trafficking locally by offering service they can't get anywhere else. We do what it takes to get their lives on track, whether it's mental health care, housing, financial services, medical care, child care, job prep, job training, and a whole lot more. We do all of that. But most of all, we share God's love with them. I've read testimony, testimonies from these survivors that brought me to tears. Many of our clients don't even know that humans can care about them when they first come to us. But we do. And that helps them to see themselves differently as someone who is worthy of love. Our Reset 180 has this presentation called the 101. It's an hour long. And in that presentation, we uh, teach you about the red flags and talk a whole lot more about human trafficking. Uh, how to protect your family, how to protect your friends and your community. And in this presentation, we break down what trafficking is, what it isn't, what it looks like, who's vulnerable, and the apps that the traffickers use. Now, take a look at this slide of apps. Uh, these are just a few of the apps that traffickers use. The big problem is that most of our kids know these apps better than we do, and traffickers know that. And so they use that to their advantage. We also cover 
the four types of trafficking, and we discussed several local cases, and perhaps one day we can set aside a time to go through the whole presentation with you. And it, it's very impactful and very disturbing. But if there's enough interest, we will do that for you. Just let us know and we will make it happen. So again, this fight against human trafficking is just one example from my own life where God has placed me to help the hurting. He called me into this heavy reality and it's heavy. And as heavy as it is, it's more rewarding because it's so powerful. Uh, we free a lot of his daughters from bondage and bring them to him through this work. And perhaps human trafficking is an issue God won't let you ignore. Uh, he certainly won't let me ignore it. And uh, maybe God is putting this on your heart. Maybe he is. Um, if you feel called to take this risk and join his work, there should be another slide up here. But Mackenzie and I are abolitionists. There we go. Uh, come talk to us if you feel compelled to pray about this. Um, visit the website or scan this QR code on the screen to learn more about volunteering, uh, becoming an abolitionist, or getting more information. Side note, uh, I, I said the word abolitionist to, a, to Brad a lot, and he said, uh, you should tell people about that. So if you think the term abolitionist is old, like from uh, the 1800s or earlier or something, uh, brace yourself for another troubling statistic. There are more people in bondage today than there ever was in human history, even when slavery was legal. Uh, so those of us who are committed to the fight against human trafficking think this term is more relevant than it ever was. Okay, so if that shook any of you, I see a lot of serious faces out here. If you're shaking, take a deep breath. Breathe it in, breathe it out. We got through it. <laughs> Appreciate you, Ron. Uh, like I said, it's just one important example from my life where God has placed me. And um, he can place you there, too, if uh, you will step and trust him. And, you know, it may feel risky, but trust that he will give you the tools that you need to fulfill whatever mission he gives you. And this church is definitely one of those tools that he gives to help you and, and know that we have your back. Remember, God designed us to be like the Good Samaritan, taking a risk to help others. Even those who are different from us, Jesus calls us to be that type of image bearer. For some, it can feel risky to have a hurting friend or relative that you wanna help, but you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do. You have no idea how to handle it. Pray. Go anyway. Trust that God's going to go with you. And you know what? A lot of times, your presence, the fact that you're just there, is all that matters. Another step you could take is getting more involved here at Dulles. We have teens that could use you. And maybe you should pray about starting a group, joining a group maybe even joining a band. We have a lot of great talent on our band, but they get tired. We could use a whole lot more people helping them rotate. Uh, express your interest or sign up on our app. And there's another option, 
over a decade ago, Dulles started a film festival, the Washington West Film Festival. This year, much to our surprise, we were voted the second best film festival in North America by USA Today. <laughs> we're the only film festival in the world that gives away 100% of our box office proceeds to charities that help children hurting. Every year we do this. Uh, we have a great time uh, doing important work <laughs> for those in culture, because what we do is we bring those in culture to their own God story. And often we bring those folks to knowledge of the real Jesus. We introduce them to Jesus. So maybe you want to serve our partners at the Dulles South Food Pantry just to dip your toe into serving. Maybe you want to volunteer with the Dulles South Neighborhood Closet. Uh, those are two organizations that we partner with and we actually help to form. Um, and they're great ways to just get started and, and help your community. All right, the possibilities are endless. Pray about it earnestly and trust that God's going to be there. But pray for his will and not for selfish ambition or vain conceit. He will give you an answer. There's no telling where it could lead. And again, it will likely challenge you. But trust that he will provide you with what you need to get it done. Um, if you're doing it for his glory and not your own, just keep that in mind. That's important. So be the good Samaritan in your own story. Don't miss the amazing life that God is calling you to. So rewarding, and you'll feel peace like you've never known, even in the hard stuff. And there's hard stuff to do. Uh, again, I look out here and I just, man, I love this church and I love these people, man. And I just, uh, I may have shaken some of you today, but I sure hope I bless you more than that today. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time to share our hearts, to share some important things that you wanted to get off of my chest and some things that people needed to hear, Lord. We just pray that people digest it the way you intend for it to be digested and that you just use us to do your work in your world. We lift this day and we pray that you will guide our steps and our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.